0: Welcome to Fake News, a fiery but mostly peaceful podcast where we dismantle the media misinformation that floods our news feeds all week long. The media tries to mislead you literally every day. Each episode of this podcast will leave you more equipped to correctly interpret the news and spot their deception quicker than before. This is Luke Taylor, an austere religious scholar who will be your host in this roundup of the past few weeks of Fake News. And so kind of what this podcast has turned into over the past few months is like, I just kind of get on and I, I really talk about news that's at least a week old. And part of that's by the design of my my busy life schedule sometimes. Part of that is by, uh, it's on purpose. It's by design of how maybe the, what the podcast should be. Whenever we first see something in the news, like the Russian Civil War, um, everyone jumps to a conclusion that all these news reports start coming out that say this and that, sometimes contradictory things. And then after you wait a week, after you wait a few days, a lot of times the the facts rise to the surface. A lot of time by then people have moved on to something else. They never learned the real facts. And so I like doing this podcast to just kind of like, hey, let's look back at this thing that happened a week and a half ago and, and just talk about it a little bit more. Now that some of the emotions have subsided, now we can just kind of focus on, on what really happened. And so um, that's what I enjoy doing here lately. And so some of the news stories that have gripped the nation... Here lately, the submarine, okay, the submarine story. Um, that that was something that everyone had their eyes on last week, and and for good reason. I mean, it was actually in a you know (laughs) wild things we've never seen before happen all the time. This was really something I don't remember a story like this ever taking place before. And so, of course, throughout most of the week, we didn't know if the people were even still alive. It had been reported that they had it was like 40, 48 hours of oxygen, probably in that little submarine. And um, they said they probably had until about Thursday to determine whether the people had had, were still alive, if they could be found in time to save their lives. And so uh, and they thought maybe it got caught on the wreckage down there. You know, this was a submarine full of billionaires going really, really deep under the sea to go visit the wreckage of the Titanic. And so they thought it might have got snagged on something and it was stuck and it was going to take like 15 hours to get another sub down there, you know, so they had to move quick. They're trying to put together a rescue team anyway. Um, this was something very unique that I don't remember a news story like this before. And it it was interesting. And, um, and there was a time element to it as well. You know, it was like, this story is not something that can go on for weeks or months. I mean, they got to figure this out right now. And so this was a very dramatic situation. Sadly, you know, as it turned out, um, they had probably just instantaneously died back on like the Monday or Tuesday of of that week and uh that there was you know that they weren't just sitting around waiting to run out of oxygen at all but that this the sub had just very quickly imploded is what they're telling us and that it just it, in a matter of a second that they were they would just been uh, obliterated uh, sadly so um a pretty instantaneous death i mean at least at least there was no suffering over that time but um still a, a sad story and there were lots of jokes being made last week Frankly, I wasn't into the, into the jokes. I wasn't in, I, 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 I'm not going to be judgmental about it. I know we all kind of deal with drama in different ways. Um, but I was, I was really hoping I sent up some prayers last week. I was really hoping they'd find these people and rescue them. And that sadly did not end up being the case. And so, um, I was disappointed to see that. Uh, I didn't, I didn't care for the jokes people were making in the aftermath. I just wasn't in the mood for that. Um, I didn't, I didn't, you know, I, I thought this was really something we could, Hopefully, unite around and um, and everybody be on the same page that we wanted to see these people rescued. Well, sadly, that was just not going to happen when all the people who were at risk were billionaires. Uh, there's a lot of hostility towards rich people, uh, and, and it's caused a lot of people on Twitter to kind of like lose their humanity. And well, I'm not just picking on Twitter; across all the social medias, probably seen most of it on Facebook, to be honest. But everyone just kind of forgot their humanity and. Everyone's just kind of making fun of these billionaires and saying, oh, why are we wasting so much money trying to save them? And one of the most sickening things was this headline I saw from The New Republic. And it said this, OceanGate CEO missing in Titanic sub had history of donating to GOP candidates. Here's who OceanGate CEO Stockton Rush has donated to. And so this was a story that they actually ran uh, uh, on June 21st, so on Wednesday, Hadn't confirmed yet if the if the people were even still alive. Hadn't found the sub yet. Hadn't found any wreckage yet. And they were running stories about, oh, well, this CEO, you know, he donated to the Republicans. So basically, the New Republic was, was uh, telegraphing to their readers, you know, hey, you don't have to feel sorry for this guy. He donated to Republicans. And, you know, it's like at a moment like that, we're not supposed to be talking about whom they made donations to. I never once thought that week about, who the billionaires had made donations to in politics. I don't even think most of them were Americans. I don't I don't know that for... I haven't looked up all their names, but... I don't even think most of them were Americans. Who cares who they donated to? They're trapped on a sub, but... I tell you who cares. The New Republic. And so they wanted to make sure you knew. This guy was probably a Republican. We don't have to worry about him. And... Uh, so anyway, there's a lot of hostility. A lot of meanness coming out in this sub story. And I just really wasn't in the mood for all that. Um, I will say this though, and I'm again, it's not against anyone with the sub, but there was something I was suspicious of the whole time. I'm not saying it was a hoax, but there was something just the whole time as like the whole nation, all of society, had turned their attention to the submarine thing. Um, something about it did feel kind of like an orchestrated distraction. And I don't believe it was a hoax at all. Like I believe this is something that totally really happened. But, man, I just kept wondering, like, the whole time it was going on, what is happening that we're not paying attention to while we're all over here looking at the sub? You know, it's like, oh, there's, I just, I don't know, maybe I'm just a little jaded. (laughs) Maybe I'm just paranoid. But there was something about it. And, again, I don't think it was a hoax. I believe it was all real. But I'm just like, there was something about it that just had me wondering, like, is there something else going on here that they're not telling us? Now, there was some information that came out about uh, that the U.S. Navy or Coast Guard, that they had detected the implosion on, like, the Monday, whenever it happened. And so then a lot of people came out and said, oh, they knew about this all week and they didn't tell us because they wanted us to not be paying attention to Hunter Biden and all the scandals coming out about him. Now, I don't, I don't actually, I don't buy that. I don't go along with that. And the only reason um, is that uh, the Navy didn't know that that was what they had detected. They couldn't know until they found wreckage of the sub or until they found the sub itself. So it's like, well, what if they had been trapped down there under the ocean and nobody bothered going, trying to save them because the Navy said they already found, they heard the implosion. You know, what if they, what if they said they heard it and it really wasn't that. And then the people didn't get help. So I think it's good that they at least tried to rescue the people. I don't think it was, I I just don't buy the whole conspiracy that the, they were trying to keep it quiet because of trying to distract from, from president Biden's scandals. Um, I just don't go along with that because they didn't know that that's what the sound that they heard was. They had to find the wreckage first to confirm that. And so anyway, I was sad to see that the people didn't make it. You know, I was hoping we'd get a dramatic rescue type of thing. And it uh, it would have been a nice ending to the story. And, and sadly, this did not have a nice ending. So sorry to see that. Um, but as we mentioned our president a moment ago, let's pause here for a message from him. All right. God save the queen, man. So he said that uh, this past week as he was once again trying to get gun control legislation, get people fired up about that. And uh, he finishes it with God save the queen who passed away last fall. And someone, I guess, forgot to remind him. (laughs) You know, we make fun of how he struggles with the teleprompter that, he, you know, he struggles to even read it to so that he knows what he's supposed to say. But obviously we see how dangerous things get when he goes off teleprompter, too. So, yeah. OK, so there is another story this past is really just over the weekend that Russia had this civil war that lasted about 48 hours. I mean, it was like the shortest. It really wasn't a civil war. What they call it. Someone tried to stage a coup, a coup d'etat um, that so that someone attempted to overthrow Putin and I don't know all the politics of it. I'm not going to pretend that I understand. I'm not even going to go research it and spend 30 minutes reading an article and think I know everything about it. I don't know anything about Russian geopolitics and Ukraine and all that stuff. I really don't. But here's what is really interesting in the aftermath of that story is that for about 48 hours, it looked like there was some kind of civil war going on in, in Moscow that someone was rolling tanks in or that they were rolling tanks up to stop the advance of some uh, some insurgents who were coming to overthrow the government and take over Moscow, and um, in the aftermath of that, everybody seems to have a different theory about what happened. And what's interesting to me is people are saying every possible interpretation of those events. Like, there people are people are saying that Putin is just about to be overthrown. People are saying now that Putin's more powerful than ever. People are saying this is a sign that Russia is about to collapse. They're saying that. This, is, uh, this means that Russia's more united than ever before. Uh, people are saying this is the end of the war for Ukraine. People are saying this is the time for Ukraine to fight back and, and win this thing. So everybody seems to have a different take on what this means as far as what happened in, in Russia, and why are there so many different ideas floating around? Completely opposite ideas. Why is that? Well, one thing I noticed as this story played out over the weekend, and I was trying to follow it, I found it pretty interesting. Um, But what we're seeing are these are the effects that it has on society when the media lies so, 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 so much. Nobody believes what the media is telling and what happened anymore. Everyone's just kind of hearing some details that there's some kind of coup going on in Russia, in Moscow. Everyone's just hearing that. And then they just kind of try to figure it out on their own. They just kind of come up with a theory that makes the most sense to them. And it's just it was interesting to me, the media line, the media commentary It made no difference to anybody on this thing. People just ran away with whatever their own theory was. And so I found that I found that kind of interesting. And I think that's just the effect of a society that knows the media lies about stuff all the time and doesn't even bother. They don't even bother to listen to what the media has to say about it. They're just like, you know, we're just gonna make up our own theory. And so you had if you asked 50 people, you're gonna get 50 different answers about what happened in Russia, what this means for the future nobody's on the same page about that and so anyway that's just that's the real world consequences of the complete lack of trust that people have in the media anymore and so i found that kind of interesting as well okay let's talk about what's racist for this week Everything is racist. so if you are against pornography you are now racist <laughs> this is according to a headline that appeared in vice recently was vice was were they the ones who just filed for bankruptcy not sure there's there's some left-wing far left-wing news source vice is a far left-wing news source and so here's their headline the online hordes of the far right versus porn hub and so the they're they're running a story about how um you are a neo-nazi this is really what they say neo-nazis and some megatypes types certainly align on one thing they hate porn <laughs> that, is, that is the headline and the subhead here in this article on Vice. So if you are against pornography, now they're labeling you a neo-Nazi. And th- and so this is, this is um, they're trying to say that being against pornography makes you some kind of racist. And we always cover what's racist for this week. I mean, that's why we have a segment called that. We, we cover that because it's so obvious that Democrats just call everything that they don't like racist. That's just their word. They call it racism or white supremacy systemic racism. These are all the labels that they, they just slap this on whatever it is that they don't like. doesn't have to make any logical sense at all. If you're against pornography, that is now racist. Now, why is that? Well, like I said, they call everything they don't like racist and Democrats really, really, really like porn. They love pornography so much that they were walking the streets of major cities this past weekend, completely in the nude, completely in the nude. In full view of children, they were just strutting around or riding bicycles on one obscene and and absurd, weird gay pride parade that (laughs) this is how they decided to celebrate gay pride is they got naked and rode bicycles down the street in front of kids. Um, Probably the last thing I would want to do as a naked activity is sit on one of those skinny little bicycle seats, but that's what these guys were doing right down the road. I don't know how it's not illegal to do that. You know how can how can any type of public people get arrested for peeing in public? They get arrested for public um if they expose themselves in public. You can be arrested for that. I mean, if someone's a flasher, you know, walking along in the big trench coat and flashes somebody, that's illegal. But yet, at a gay pride parade, suddenly it's okay. And, and not only is it okay, it's okay to do it in front of kids. I don't know how it's it's even legal to parade around literally parade around naked in front of everybody um i don't know how it's legal to take your kids to watch that but society has decided at least over there on the west coast it's okay to do it if you're gay uh or or also on the east coast i guess if you look at new york city what was we'll come to new york in a moment but uh there's a journalist named brian Kressenstein, and he commented that this this really blew up on twitter over the weekend it's no big deal if kids see naked Uh, naked men running around in front of him because according to him seeing a man this is a quote seeing a man naked on a bike isn't going to have much of an impact on any kid they've likely seen their father or brother naked before so this was a quote from him defending these lunatics these perverts over in seattle and they're running around naked or riding around on a bike in the nude in front of children and this journalist wants you to know that's really not a big deal that is the slippery slope we've gone down, guys. Eight years ago, gay marriage was legalized. Today, the journalists are out here saying, "What's wrong with gay men dancing naked for kids?" That's where we are. And no, actually, that's not. It didn't take eight years. I remember this from. Let's see. The Washington Post ran this last year. This is by Lauren Ruello. She's a writer for the Washington Post, and her opinion piece is it, the headline: "Yes, kink belongs at Pride." And I want my kids to see it. This was actually, this was two years ago. This was pride 2021. So six years after gay marriage is legalized across the country, six years later, the journalists are out here telling you, I want my kids to see kink. This is what she tweets. Keep kink and pride for our kids' sakes. My latest for the Washington post. And that, and then I already read you the headline. This is what the journalist class wants. This is who you're getting your news from people. That's the slippery slope we we slid down. We're sliding down it head first. Stacy Lawton is the nation's first transgender elected state representative. Stacy is it despite the fact that he has a female name, it's a he. Okay. This is a man, a very gross-looking man, who was arrested this past week on child pornography charges. The nation's first transgender elected state representative. I forget where it was it. It was a uh, Michigan or Maryland. I no, I looked it up. It was New Hampshire, okay? Stacey Lawton was born a man, still is a man, identifies as a woman, first state representative to be elected to uh, to be a state representative in this country, arrested this week on child pornography charges. Did you see that in the news? You know, if not, you might want to reevaluate your news sources because you might be getting your news from these perverts like Brian Krasenstein or Lauren Ruello, who think this is totally fine to bring your kids and put this stuff in front of your kids. They probably don't want you knowing, the Washington Post probably doesn't want you knowing that the first transgender state rep was arrested for having child pornography. But that's something that happened this past week. If you remember, there is a viral song that came out, I believe it was last year from the San Francisco uh, Gay Men's Chorus. Now, when it's got San Francisco in there, you don't need the word gay. That's just going to be assumed. They could just call it the San Francisco Men's Chorus. But anyway, the San Francisco Gay Men's Chorus, they put out a song called We're Coming for Your Children. And I played it before on this podcast. I don't even want to hear it again. But they they announced their intentions last year. They said, we are coming for your children. That's what they meant when they said this LGBT thing. They said, we are coming for your children. Interestingly, this past week, four of the guys who participated in that song, and as you watch on the, if you ever go look at the video, there's like a couple dozen guys, because it's a chorus, and they're all singing, it looks like, Uh, the Brady Bunch, they've all got their own little square and they're all singing this song about how we're coming for your children. Well, some of those guys have already come for the children. Four of them have been confirmed child predators on the sex offender registry. Uh, Someone looked at this list of the men on the chorus and they looked at the sex offender registry for San Francisco, which I think for San Francisco, that's just also known as the phone book. And they looked it over and they found out at least four of those guys could be confirmed as being child predators so some of them have already been coming for the children and they've announced their intentions they made it they made it loud and clear they sang a song about it couldn't be more clear in new york city this past weekend though just to make sure you got the message they walked through the streets and chanted we're here we're queer we're coming for your children Be thankful that this is an audio-only podcast. You don't have to see the naked people walking around in that video. That was also on the other side of the country, over there on the East Coast this past weekend. Um, also, at, at, it was like the last weekend of, of Gay Pride Month, because here we are towards the end of the month of June, and that's how they decided to celebrate their last weekend, running around naked in the streets, talking about how they're coming for the kids, running around exposing themselves to kids, riding around, I guess I, sh- I keep saying running, but it was... <laughs> the, the The popular video was them... On bikes Um, there were several videos of naked people at these things Um, but it doesn't stop there they're also teaching kids to hate Republicans here's a video of a guy and he has set up a table at one of these pride events and he has on this wall behind him he has these pictures of Republicans and there's a table in front with bricks and kids are encouraged to throw pick up a brick and throw it at the pictures of Republicans so they're teaching kids to hate republicans if you're a republican if you're a conservative they hate you and they're teaching kids to hate you too that's what they would like to teach the next generation if you are conservative they want to throw bricks at you they want to normalize violence against you and this is they're doing this with young kids Have you ever seen the disturbing footage before, maybe in a movie, maybe on a documentary or a news clip of where like Muslim terrorists, where they will get kids when they're, I mean, when they're kids, when they're young, when they're very impressionable and they will teach these kids violence. They'll teach these kids to operate weapons. They'll teach these kids how to kill. They'll sometimes sometimes even give these kids opportunities to kill as they're trying to train a new generation of terrorists. And that's, I mean, that's what, that's what terror groups do you see some of these jihadists out there in the middle east and there's lots of footage of them taking the kids teaching them how to be killers it's disturbing trying to teach people how to how to be violent and to kill in the name of their religion same thing happens in africa you've seen these probably in a movie before you've seen these african warlords they'll get a group of kids they're going to teach the kids how to be killers um that's going to be their next generation of soldiers you see this kind of thing happening in third world countries It's happening right here in America. It's happening right in front of our eyes. They're taking children and teaching them how to be violent against conservatives and Republicans. It's happening right here in America. Okay, guys, before I close down later, I'm going to go ahead and mention this here. If you want to get in touch with Fake News, a fiery but mostly peaceful podcast, send me an email to fierybutpeaceful at gmail.com. And if you see some fake news, go ahead and send it my way. If you get it to me first, you can get credit for it. We'll talk about it here on the show. Um, I do another podcast called Cross References. And so that's a Bible study podcast. And I mean, it doesn't have as much to do with current events. Lately, I've been talking about some current events on there. Um, because a lot of stuff that we see in society as far as current events intersects with Bible prophecy. And so we've been talking about current events on there too. But if you like Bible or if you like current events, go check that out. Uh, I consider that my main podcast because I'm much more faithful to put at least one of those episodes out each week. I'm much more devoted to that one than this one. No offense. If you like this one, that's great too. But my main podcast is Cross References. So go check that out wherever you get this one. You can also find that And um, we're going to do a segment here that I haven't done for quite a while. We're going to do a Beyond the Headline. So I haven't done Beyond the Headline before. That's where we just take a story. We kind of go through it, um, not necessarily read the whole article, but we'll kind of go through it a line at a time. And I really want to just show or commentate on something big that's going on. And that's what I want to do this time. Here's a headline that's been put out from CNN. This was a few weeks. Let's see. This was on June 14th. So this was about two weeks ago. Listen to what the Dominion, which is this software company, this voting machine company um, called Dominion. This was became a big controversy a couple years ago because many Republicans, including President Trump and some of the hosts on Fox News, they claimed that Dominion had done something to skew the election in favor of of Biden in some of these key states and swung the victory over to him that basically their machines had been, um, corrupted that they had been, you know, miss purposefully miscounting votes. And, uh, so any dominion ended up suing some of these Fox hosts and winning a bunch of money from Fox news. That was the big story here recently. Um, so dominion, it does. I don't think they have every single country, but there's many different countries where I, I don't, I mean, I said country, um, states. I don't think Dominion is in every state, but they are in several states. One of those is Georgia. That was one of those very contentious states in the 2020 election where it was claimed that their voting machines had had given the election to Biden basically. And so here's the headline from CNN. This is what they're putting out here in advance of next year's election, okay? Here's a headline from CNN. Georgia won't update vulnerable Dominion software until after 2024 election. Okay. So Georgia is not, they're just announcing now they're not going to update their Dominion voting machines until after the 2024 election, after next year's election, which is a whole year and a half away. And they're not even going to update their machines in advance of that, even though they admit here, as I said, vulnerable. It's not just their Dominion software, it's their vulnerable Dominion software. So let's look beyond the headline here. What is going on with Dominion software that makes it vulnerable? And why is Georgia not going to update it before the election? Georgia election officials have been aware of existing vulnerabilities in the state's voting software for more than two years. So let's see, more than two years. That would go back to the 2020 election, right? That'd be in the immediate aftermath of that election. But continue to insist that the system is safe and won't be updated until after 2024. According to a report that was unsealed this week, as part of a controversial court case in Georgia. The report's findings focus on weaknesses in software for certain Dominion voting machines. Those weaknesses were previously verified by federal cybersecurity officials who urged election officials across the country to update their systems. So, there are weaknesses, and we're not told really specifically in the story what the weaknesses are. Um, Like, does this make them vulnerable to hacking? I mean, I guess you'd assume something like that because that's what somebody would try to do to a voting machine and if you hadn't if, if, if it wasn't dominion themselves rigging it then someone else could try to um get into their software into their machines and try to skew the election for one of the candidates that way and so federal cybersecurity officials have verified that there are weaknesses in the software which by the way you got to remember when President Trump was going out there and I believe making a lot of false claims about that I, he he told a lot of lies in the aftermath of the 2020 election to insist that he had won but he didn't back those lies up with facts and in some cases they were outright lies they were outright false statements. One of the things that he said was that they were claiming that these Dominion machines didn't work that they, or that they weren't they were skewed that they were programmed to to let Biden win. So this is one of the things they were claiming now, we never really saw evidence for that. We were told by the media and the Democrats that th- there was nothing to worry about with this- these machines. They were completely safe. And it's a conspiracy theory and a threat to our democracy and being an election denier if you say that there was something wrong with the machines that caused Biden to win. OK, this is what we heard about for two years. Now we look at a CNN article and it says, oh, yeah, uh, Georgia election officials have known for more than two years that there's vulnerabilities in the state's voting software, Where do, why didn't we hear about that two years ago? Why are we just now hearing that admitted? And why are they saying they're not going to fix these problems until after the 2024 presidential election? So let me keep going. A lawyer for Georgia's top election official, Republican Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger, recently told a federal court that officials would forego installing Dominion security patches. I need to say this slower. I want to make sure you get this. Brad Raffensberger recently told a federal court officials would forego installing Dominion's security patches until after the 2024 presidential election. Okay? Georgia election officials insist it is highly unlikely that vulnerabilities will be exploited in real attacks. These officials also say they have carried out a number of security recommendations without having to update the system's software. Upgrading the system will be a massive undertaking <clears throat> This is a quote. And our election officials are evaluating the scope and time required for the project. Mike, that's a quote from Mike Kessinger, a spokesperson for the Secretary of State down there in Georgia. So they're saying this is too big of a project for them to fix. Again, they have a year and a half until the twenty twenty four election. They've got just about 18 months that they can go in and patch these machines. How long does it take to patch a machine? right? They, you take a, you know, you take a mem- you take a memory card or something, you go plug it into the machine, run the update. I'm sure it takes less than a day per machine. You make several copies of these sticks. You send out your, you, you give each one, you give one to each of the county clerks. They've got a whole year and a half to update this software. There's a million ways they could do it. I'm sa- I've just thrown out an idea. I don't know how they update the software. They have a year and a half. If they say it's not safe, if they say it's, there's vulnerabilities in it, don't use the software. We got a long fine for hundreds of years in this country without Dominion voting systems. We don't need Dominion voting systems. Why are they choosing to use something that they admit has vulnerabilities and security risks? They are already telling us a year and a half before the election. You don't need to trust. They're already telegraphing to us ahead of time. You don't need to trust the results. Why should you trust the results? We know that they have security flaws. Hackers now have a year and a half to figure it out. And we're already telling you we're not going to do anything about it. And they're telling this to the whole country right there on CNN. I don't know how else to interpret this. I'm going to continue reading here in in the article. It says that a University of Michigan computer scientist named J. Alex Halderman um, did a He ran a series of attack scenarios and did a report for Dominion telling them about weaknesses in the software that made it um, made it susceptible to hacking. Okay, so He gave this report to Dominion last year and they updated all of their software. But Georgia is saying that we're not going to put that security patch in. So basically the other Dominion voting systems have had that patch given to them. But Georgia is just telling you right now, we are not going to install the recommended security patch. (laughs) Even though all the other systems that run Dominion in the country, they've all done it in less than a year because they just got the patch done last year and they've put it on all the other states machines but georgia's saying no it's too big of an undertaking we can't do it before the 2024 election a year and a half from now do you believe this does this sound real to you <laughs> like they're 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 lying to us and they're not even telling a good lie this is ridiculous here's a quote from Halderman which is that the computer scientist out there in michigan he says delaying the security patches until 2025 is worse than doing nothing because it puts would-be adversaries on notice that the state will conduct the presidential election with this particular version of software with known vulnerabilities, giving them nearly 18 months to prepare and deploy attacks. So he said the same thing I just said a minute ago. They've telegraphed to the world their, their systems are not secure for the 2024 election. They're just going ahead and telling us now. So uh, what can we conclude from all this? Okay, here's something I've noticed about the Democrats. They're really not too worried about next year. Uh, it's like I think they've already know they've got this thing rigged. And I'm when I say rigged, um, listen, I haven't been someone who went out and claimed that the Dominion machines were hacked before or that they had been that those had been specifically rigged against Trump in that election. Um, I know I didn't make those kind of claims. I don't think you should make claims like that without evidence. And the Trump campaign, his lawyer team, they never put forward any evidence of something like this happening. So I haven't been somebody going out and claiming that stuff. And as I said before, he told a lot of lies. He spread a lot of wild conspiracy theories in the aftermath of that election, which totally ruined his credibility to try to claim that it was stolen from him. But now looking ahead at 2024, how are we going to trust what comes out of Georgia in that election? Or maybe any of the Dominion voting software, now that we see that it's something that that, that does have vulnerabilities and even had it last time and and they didn't tell us, how are we going to trust the results? To me, as I look at as I look at the level of emotion coming out of the Democrat Party right now, they don't seem worried about a thing. Like, they, they just look like they're ready to coast to re-election. Their plan right now is to try to attack Trump so that the Republicans rally around him and choose him in the primaries. And by the time we get to the November election, they could easily have him under house arrest, okay? If you look at President Biden right now, His biggest struggle is that he's this really, really, really old man. He seems very weak and feeble. You can't imagine someone like him going out there and running a presidential campaign where he's going out and making speeches every day, telling people why they should vote for him a second time. It's hard to imagine him making the campaign circuits with his state of health. And he got out of it last time. He got out of it in 2020 because he could just say, oh, well, we're supposed to be under COVID lockdown, so I'm just going to stay in my basement and release videos. And that was one of the things that made 2020 such a weird year and how Biden really got off easy because he didn't really have to go out and do the typical presidential campaign like all the other presidents have in the past. He really just kind of got to skate by releasing pre-recorded videos from his basement. And so that that worked for him in 2020. What's going to happen in 2024? How's he going to go out and do that stuff now? Well, if he's running against Trump, they could put Trump under house arrest. So Trump's locked up at home. Biden doesn't have to even go out and campaign at that point. He gets out of all of it again. They look like they've got this. They've got their plans. Okay. It looks pretty clear to me. Biden's not even going to have to run another campaign. He can take a nap for four months and wake up and let everyone vote him in on election day. And if they don't vote him in, they can do something about it with the voting software. <laughs> so that's exactly what it looks like right now. So, again, guys. I I Listen, I appreciate a lot of stuff that Trump did in the past, but um, are you just going to let them manipulate you into choosing him to run against Biden when they have all this firepower against him? Uh, When they can just, they could just easily, listen, he did break the law. If you look at the indictment, not the first one, that one was bogus, but if you look at the indictment about how he handled classified information and then how he obstructed justice by not turning it over whenever he was told to and how he admitted that he hadn't declassified the stuff that he had that he had taken um guys they've got him they've they've got him where they could lock him up for this it wouldn't be hard to prove this stuff at all he's all, he went out and admitted it to Sean Hannity uh, a few a few weeks ago on Fox News <laughs> so he's already he's already blown his story that he declassified this stuff he's already ruined his case they could easily put him away and that's exactly what they're that's exactly what they're planning to do if you actually want to save trump from prosecution pick somebody else so that he has to drop out of the race and uh and and once once he's out of the picture the democrats will leave him alone but if he's running for president they could put him under house arrest they could put it put a restraining order where he's not allowed to talk about the case and tell people his side of the story and biden just coasts to re-election and so anyway there's (laughs) that's That's what it looks like right here. That's what it looks like as far as the state of affairs. Again, I appreciate President Trump's accomplishments. He saved the Supreme Court. I'll always be grateful for that. But um, the Democrats have a plan, and part of their plan involves you voting for Trump in the primaries next year so that they can do what they want with that election. If you want to make it that easy for them, I mean, (laughs) don't say I didn't warn you, but that's, that's their plan right now. If they can keep Biden alive, this is what they're going to do. And, and if they can't keep Biden alive, if they got to put in Gavin Newsom, you know, they got him waiting in the wings. If they got to stick him in as a backup or if Ron DeSantis ends up being the guy and it's him against Biden or or, or Newsom. Um, this George's story from CNN, it looks like they've got some other backup plans waiting in the wings as well. So uh, the, these guys are sneaky and they've got a plan. If you want the Republicans to win next year, you've got to come up with a plan too. you got to think beyond 2024. you got to think about the future or we're not going to have a future, okay? And if you're not going to do that, don't say I didn't warn you and don't say that this CNN article about Georgia didn't warn you either. All right, thanks for listening to Fake News, a fiery but mostly peaceful podcast. This has been Luke Taylor reminding you, if they tell you not to worry about that stack of bricks over there, that's just fake news. What? Mm-hmm.